Blank. I'm Chantel Chen. This is episode number 45. We just want to say if you've been rocking with the show, thank you so much. If you haven't clicked that subscribe button yet, make sure you do. And of course, if you've been following the show, make sure to leave a rate and review. You can find us on any of the podcast platforms that are out there. And you will see in the description below the ways that you can connect with us personally. And most importantly, we just want to say thank you so much again for rocking with us. Akeem, I know you were doing a stream this past weekend. How did that go? Yeah, it was pretty good. It was pretty good. It was um, earlier. You know, usually those the streams that I've been doing in the past have been like, I've been getting off at like 1130, almost 12 o'clock. But this was a little bit earlier um, with the Aspinall and Blades fight. Now it ended terribly. You know, I think I think Aspinall might have tore his ACL. It, that's been like the third time in the UFC for a main event card. That That's it's it's not it's not good. But hopefully they're able to recover and get back right. But yeah, it was a good stream. It was a good stream. What about you? You were working the, what's it called? Pitch side. Pitch side. Yeah, but sometimes it's turf. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it, it is turf, but I, I'm still going to call it pitch side because okay, it's way, okay. way cooler than uh, turf. I wanted to be politically correct. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You know, it's and some people call it sidelines, but in soccer, it's got to be pitch side. It was it was a uh, it was cool. Obviously, it's like really fun when you're there on the field on the turf. Uh, but the the caps lost and obviously like covering them. I want them to win every game, uh, but they're right there on the cusp on the table. Uh, so, you know what? Let, let's see what they do. They got the Canadian championship coming up and then another game on the weekend. So I'll be there and I'll be able to catch the fights as well, because Akeem it's a huge weekend. We're going to get right into it. But first, we got to move over to the hardwood because there's a lot going on right now. And we're actually going to start off with some trade rumors. Well, it's not really a rumor because Wojnarowski, who, of course, is one of the best NBA insiders, he pretty much tweeted that the Boston Celtics have been in trade talks with the Brooklyn Nets. And what Boston was going to offer up was Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Derek White. And I believe they wanted a draft pick and potentially one more rotation player for Kevin Durant. This is a crazy trade. It didn't obviously go through. Uh, Brooklyn did not let that one pass. But Akeem, I want to get your thoughts on this. Are the Celtics giving up way too much? And is Kevin Durant worth, worth that much? And do you see Kevin Durant being a good fit there? Man, if if you've been listening to the show and every time we talk about Kevin Durant, I, I start the same way. Kevin Durant is my favorite player in the league. Right. Like that's like that's been one of my guys since I came in, since he came into the league. So I see I have a lot of love and respect for Kevin Durant, but I'm not trading all those pieces for Kevin Durant. You know, that, that Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Derek White, a, a, a pick like, yo, the, if you break up that group, Marcus Smart defensive player of the year. So you have you you're giving that to Brooklyn. You're giving Derek White, who's probably going to, you know, he's he, he's improved over this season. He's probably going to get you to eight to nine points per game, and he's going to make an impact throughout the game. But then you're also giving Jalen Brown, who is also going to give you 23, 24 points per game. So if you take Jalen Brown's 24 points per game with Marcus Smart 11, 12, well, you already have 30 plus, and you add Derek White and his eight, and you already have 30 plus, but then you also have everything else that they impact and change the game and they are much younger than Kevin Durant as well too 
So for me, that's some. It's it's hard to say Kevin Durant isn't worth um, any trade, but to me, what the Celtics are offering, you got to give me a little something with Kevin Durant with that one Brooklyn Nets. So that's not a trade that I would make. Look, Kevin Durant's going to end up right there back with the Brooklyn Nets because what they are trying, they're trying to like make. Whomever they trade Kevin Durant for, that that team is going to be an expansion team with the amount of pieces that they're trying to get for him. That's yeah. a crazy amount. He is worth it. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, you also got to make the best decision, not just for now, but for your future as well, too. So back to the question, is that a trade that that I like? No, I don't like that trade for the Boston Celtics. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure the Brooklyn Nets would It'd make their team significantly better. And again, I love KD. That's my guy. That's my favorite player. But that's a trade that I'm Xing out all day, any given moment. Chantel, what about you? What are your thoughts on it? Oh, man. The Boston Celtics were about to give up everything. This is a team that went to the NBA Finals, and I think people are sleeping on Jalen Brown and how good he is just because he's kind of taking a backseat to Jason Tatum, who right now is put on a pedestal of being that superstar for the Boston Celtics, but let's just hold up, pump our brakes because in the finals and during the playoffs, there were times where Jalen Brown was that dude and played way better than Jason Tatum. So to me to have Jalen Brown there, who, by the way, I think if he went on any team, he could be a superstar. Like he takes that number two role to Jason Tatum. But if you were to give him the keys to a team, I definitely think Jason Tatum can be a superstar, man. He plays both ends of the of floor. He's explosive. He, we've seen him drop more than 40 points before. I mean, this guy is unreal. Then you're adding the defensive player of the year and Marcus Smart. People are sleeping on him as well because you know that he's also capable of hitting a big bucket. Then you're adding picks. Like, this is insane. For Kevin Durant, yeah, I get it. He He's one of the best players in the world. And when he's healthy, he is the best player in the NBA. But that's a lot. Honestly, I think Kevin would fit well in Boston with Jason Tatum, and that is a good duo. However, I do kind of think that's a good trade for the Brooklyn Nets, too, to be honest with you. Because, you know, you got a Ben Simmons, and I'm – going to look at it in the positive way because I think a lot of people look at Ben Simmons and they look at it in a negative way and all they want to do is say negative things about him but I think he's a really good playmaker I think he plays really well defensively there's areas that he had definitely has to get better but man I think Ben Simmons is a good piece there you add a guy like Jalen Brown there Marcus Smart like this would be a good team they would make the playoffs in the Eastern Conference and they might be a problem as well so I I think Boston would be giving up a lot, but if they want a superstar like Kevin Durant and team him up with Jason Tatum and they're willing to give up Jalen Brown, well, then that's what it is. Jalen Brown also tweeted SMH. Um, so he wasn't happy about this, right? Um, so that makes me wonder if he's going to be disgruntled. Of course he is. Like at this point, been. at this point, yeah, because he's been in the trade rumors, but at this point, like, do they just get rid of him anyway? Because how are you going to bring him back now? How are you going to bring him back in the locker room? So I think there's already going to be a little bit of tension there. And for a Boston Celtics team that made a great run with two guys that are under 26 years old, 
I don't know, man. I think Boston is slipping. You're slipping, Boston. You're slipping. But for Kevin Durant, is it worth it? Let us know in the comment section below. We'd love to hear from you on Twitter. We're at Point Blank Pod. And on IG, we're at the Point Blank Pod. We're going to move from the hardwood over to the gridiron because NFL season is pretty close. And what I like to do is I like to do some early predictions because that's one of the most fun things to do. This one's going to be a little light, but also a good one. Akeem. If you had to pick today, we're like a week away from the Hall of Fame game. Tell me, who would you pick for your MVP? Like, if you could just pick anybody right now, who are you picking for MVP? What's your early prediction? Yeah, Chantel does love the early prediction. Because when I saw this on the charts, I was just like, Chantel, it's really early. But look, (laughs) if we had to go, if we had to go, if we had to say, based on what I saw last year and what has been imprinted in my mind, it's got to be Josh Allen for me. Right. He had a very good regular season last year. And if he had the opportunity to get the ball back in the playoffs, he would have had a deeper run. But that's beside the fact. But if you're looking from a prototypical quarterback, six, five, two hundred and what, 40 pounds. And he just so happens to be able that he can run a little bit as well, too. Right. That's that's the bonus. He's a good leader, tall, sturdy, big arm, good vision. He's accurate, good composure under pressure. 36 TDs. I didn't like that 15 picks that he did last year, but he added that with six rushing. I think those numbers will be better. I think he'll throw more TDs and less picks, and he'll definitely have that five to seven rushing touchdowns as well, too. But it's interesting. It's crazy to even hear that a Buffalo Bills player might be able to win an MVP, right? But the Buffalo Bills are legit because they have a guy like Josh Allen. So if we are going in the earliest of the earliest MVP picks, then for now, I'm going to go with Josh Allen. I always, I fought it very hard not to go with Lamar Jackson because I always want to go with Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray. I always want to go with them. But who's to say that week one that I won't go with them? But for now, in July, Josh Allen. What about you, Chantel? Who do, who do you have? I know yeah. you've been thinking about this one. Of course. And you know what? I'm surprised you don't know my answer. My early MVP pick is going to be Derek Carr from the Las Vegas oh, Raiders. Gosh. All right. And I'm saying this because the Raiders are going to be Adams? a sleeper, man. They're the Raiders. Yeah. They used to play together in college. They have really good chemistry already. Most importantly, we saw what Derek Carr did last year. He was the MVP, 23 touchdowns, only 14 interceptions, just under 5,000 yards. They were able to beat the Chargers, head into the postseason. Nobody thought they were going to do that. They play in the toughest division in football. And the main reason why the Raiders are competitive, Derek Carr, he also has, since he came into the league, the most game-winning drives. Like, this KI does not get enough credit for what he does. He now has the best receiver in the league, arguably, who he used to play with in college at Fresno State. This is going to be a good year for Derek Carr. It's going to be a good year for the Raiders and everybody that's sleeping on them. You are going to eat your words. And you know what? Akeem, you ate your words last year though, right? You ate your words. Remember you were hating. Okay. okay. For point. I said the Raiders were going to win anything. I said they weren't going to win anything. I, but you know, you said they weren't going to make the playoffs. You're like, nah, I don't believe it. And they made the playoffs. This is a point. I still don't believe it. (laughs) But they, they made the playoffs last year. Yeah. They may make it, but then what? Okay. But this year they might. (laughs) They might win a round. They might win the divisional round. All right. Depends. I still got to see the defense. The linebackers are being <laughs> slept on. 
You know what I'm saying? But the secondary looks a little bit better. Uh, you know, they added Chandler Jones onto their defense. Like people are sleeping on the Raiders. And most importantly, I think Derek Carr is going to have another great year. But when it comes to a lot of people doubting him, like, yeah, my second pick would be Lamar because now he has a better O-line as well. So I think it's going to be a fun year. You pick Josh Allen. Um, hate Bill's Mafia, by the way. They ate me up on social media the other day. So um, rooting against Bill's Mafia unless they play against Kansas City. But Point Blank would love to know your early predictions for MVP. Let us know in the comment section below. You can also hit us up on Twitter and IG, and you'll see in the description below the ways that you can connect with us. Let's get over to Boston Chantel because someone who you've been fond of is back in the ring this weekend. Danny Swift Garcia is fighting Jose Benavidez Jr. What are your thoughts on this one? How do you have it going? All right. Well, Danny Garcia has taken 19 months away from boxing, and this is his first bout moving up in weight class. He's moving up to 154. And the big question is, a lot of people are doubting, does he have the build? Like, is he build enough to fight at 154? Because we all know who is the undisputed champ at 154. That's Jermel Charlo. And everyone's like, well, if Danny's going to be fighting in this division, does he obviously has his eyes set on Charlo? Can he go toe to toe with Charlo? Will his power transcend to this division? And there are so many questions about that. And that's a big thing, right? It's like, I think Danny Garcia was his best at 140. Like, no doubt about it. He was legendary at 140. Like, you got to admit, right? When he kind of really started to make noise when he defeated Amir Khan. Right. He was like the first, like one of the first guys to like really knock him out. Right. I think he was, uh, he was the first guy to knock out Amir Khan, if I'm not mistaken, but Amir Khan at the time, everyone was talking about him, that he was that dude at 140, and he knocks out Amir Khan and like drops him three times in that bout. Uh, that was a really, really good fight. And then he beat Lucas Matisse, who at the time was known to be like this crazy power puncher. And in both of those fights, Danny Garcia was the underdog. He also beat Judah as well, Eric Morales. But this is later on with Eric Morales wasn't Eric Morales. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, um, you know, he has a lot of wins under his belt. So he did his thing at 140, moved to 147. And you look at his three losses on his record, right? A split decision against Keith Thurman. Say what you want to say. That fight was really close. It could have gone either way. Then a unanimous decision against Sean Porter. That could have gone. I, I thought that was a really, really close fight as well. Uh, that could have gone either way. They gave Sean Porter the UD victory. Bought Errol Spence. Mm -hmm. Danny was saying, because I've been listening to a lot of podcasts, a lot of boxing podcasts, and Danny was saying that um, he was dealing with mental health issues leading up to that fight. Now, I'm not saying that's why he lost. I, I had him losing anyways. Obviously, Spence beat him by unanimous decision and touched him up like he had never been touched up before. He said he was dealing with anxiety and depression during that time. And that's why he lost. And I had Spence beating him anyways. Either way, like Danny Garcia, like, you know, he wasn't ever a big 147 pounder. But at the same time, like he did his thing. He fought the best. And I don't think guys get credit for doing that. So he was the king at 140. And if you say he wasn't, you're a hater. Yeah, he did his thing at 147, fought the best. And then you kind of look at the fact that he has this vicious left hand man. And that's the one that got Amir Khan on the ground. He has really good defense. He's a good body puncher. But I think the fact that he's been off for like 19 months, there will be some rust. And the one thing about Danny, though, he has really good IQ. He has great timing in that fight against Spence, though. His dad was saying after post fight, I remember he was like, why didn't you let your hands go? So. And when he's fighting at 154, I think Danny has to let his hands go. 
you know, I want to see if he's going to be quicker. He's been talking about like he wants to get more speed. So it'll be interesting that Danny Garcia we see. As for Jose Benavides Jr., for those who don't know, he's the older brother of uh, David Benavides. Uh, he was a touted prospect. And then I believe he got shot in the calf. And mm-hmm. and after that, he was like trying to recover. He was fighting, you know, some good boxers, but lower level boxers getting wins. And then he fought Bud Crawford, which is why I mentioned Bud before. Took an L against Bud. And that was the big fight they did in Omaha. Yeah, man. Ever since that, he's just trying to be back to getting into form and being that dude again. And he's had some good moments, man, in his last fight. And the thing about him is that, like, he was that dude. Like, you know, so I think he's just trying to build up and get back to what he used to be. He doesn't have like devastating knockout power, but he does have power. I think his size and length is going to give Danny trouble. And honestly, to be, I don't think he's the best defensively. So I think Danny will be able to take advantage of that at the same time, like against Bud Crawford, like Bud will figure you out. You know what I mean? It's not going to be long before Bud figures you out. So that's exactly what happened in this fight. Like I, like Jose against Bud, like he touched him up a few times and then Bud figured him out and it was a wrap. So I kind of think that's what's going to happen in this fight. I think Jose is going to get off to a good start, but as the fight continues to go on, Danny Swift Garcia is going to be able to figure him out because I think he has a higher IQ. And I just love the fact that as a veteran, like Danny's been in the ring with some of the best man, mm-hmm. like some of the best Sean Porter, Keith Thurman. And you also like the fact that he's been in the ring with Spence most recently, and he's not happy about that performance. So he's coming back fighting at 154, which is a stacked division and guys that are bigger with, than him. So I'm going to roll with Danny Garcia to get this victory. And I think it's going to happen by unanimous decision. I don't think Danny knocks him out, but I think he will win on the cards. What about you, Akeem? Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's always interesting to see how fighters move up in certain divisions. But I think the reason why Danny Garcia is staying in this division or moving up a division is because, yo, it's, once you get to a certain age, it's too hard for your body to cut weight and to go back to certain things. So this is probably much easier for him. You know, I I would assume that the average fighter is probably in their walking around weight, probably 10 or 15 pounds over what they normally would, you know. So this to me is a good move for him without depleting himself and trying to go back to 140 or 147 because it's just, it's just too hard, man. So the Spence fight, th- that Spence and that Denny Garcia was not the best version of each other that, that we have seen. But in that fight, Spence made adjustments and Danny Garcia made adjustments, but it was just too late. Spence would make the adjustments and started to control the range and the distance. And I just feel like Danny Garcia didn't flip the switch. He was waiting to counter Spence all night and waiting till Spence went, then he went, but he didn't, wasn't the aggressor, wasn't the one to move forward. And he was waiting for Spence to make a mistake for he could capitalize rather than imposing the will. So in that fight, that was what I saw in that one. I was thinking to myself, wait a minute, man, you can't just let Spence walk you down the whole fight. At some point, you got to change it and switch it up. You talk about the mental health aspect of it and the anxiety of it. That 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 does play a toll, right? You know, we can never say someone's mental space is not in the right capacity, right? But you know, it it it, it it's a fight, right? Like you, sh- if if that was what he was going through, then you shouldn't put yourself in that position to be in that ring. It makes it a lot worse, right? But from the videos that I've seen of Danny Garcia. And the interviewers that I have heard from Danny Garcia, he is feeling good. His spirits are looking good. He seems confident. He's got punching 
power as we know that he does. He seems like he's in good spirits. And we have to believe that that's the truth until we see him in the ring. And then we can go from there. So at 154, he's a good counter puncher, strong puncher, head movement, not the, not the greatest, but I like his footwork. I like what he's doing and what he's been able to do today. I think what he needs to do in this one is just to establish who is going to be the one that's to come forward. I think he needs to land some good body shots early. I just think he needs to get the rust off as early as possible and start to become confident inside the ring. And then we will probably see some figures of Danny Garcia of the past mixed with the skill set and the experience and the maturity of where he's at right now. But I actually like him at 154. And I think the power will carry over. We don't know what he's going to be like, but I do think this is a good division for him at this stage in his career. We can't expect the same Danny Garcia. This is a new one. We don't know what he's going to be. So he's trying to figure that out. But I do think uh, 154 is a good weight for him at this stage in his career. Now, Jose Benavidez Jr., you said everything spot on. Since, since he got shot, he hasn't really been the same guy. And it's not his fault. I mean, the guy's a fighter inside the ring, but even more outside of the ring. To be able to come back from something like that is remarkable and incredible. Going back to the Crawford fight, as you said, Yo, the man had some good moments. He landed some good body shots. He had some good combinations, some good jabs. He was slipping and moving a little bit. He did some good work. But Bud is just faster. Bud was more of a bigger switch hitter. Bud made better adjustments. Bud was just a step ahead of him all night. And that wasn't, it's not his fault. It's Bud Crawford is one of the best. But if he can bring out some of that that he put forward with Bud Crawford, take some of that intangible things that work for him and bring it into this fight against Danny Garcia, it'll make for a more interesting fight. But if we get the Jose Benavidez that fought Torres, that is not a fight. It's going to be a long night for him because he was supposed to walk over Fernando or Francisco Torres, but Torres came up and I thought won that fight. Right. But you know how boxing is sometimes, especially when you're home, you never really home field, home field advantage. You're going to go there. So if that is the if that is the David if Jose Benavidez Jr. that we have, then that's going to be a long night for him. He does a lot of things similar to David Benavidez, just not as powerful. He's a good puncher. He's long wingspan. He's got a good jab, but he just seems like he is not as sharp as he used to be for whatever reason. Um, I know in the past fight before. I think he was like 190 pounds or something like that. And he had to drop a significant amount of weight to get back to the 154, 160 pound that he was fighting at. So that takes a toll as well, too. So it'll be interesting to see how he comes out. But he needs to take some of the things that helped him in the Bud fight and try and incorporate that into this fight. If he does not, if he looks like the Benavides that we saw last time, it's going to be a long night. But either way, I have Danny Garcia winning this fight. I would, honestly, I can see going to a decision, but I really think for Garcia to really set a statement, either he dominates this fight from start to finish and it's unanimous decision, like convincingly, or he knocks him out. But if it looks a little bit iffy, yeah, I don't like it. But Again, uh, apparently he wants Lara if he wins. Apparently they're all, like him and Lara will meet like at a catch weight, maybe. Um, or maybe Danny said he'll move up to 160, but that would be a good, that would be a good fight. Yeah. Well, he said, well, he said Lara called him out. 
He oh, said, and he, and he said it's natural weight is around there anyway. Like you talked about the cutting and everything and how it's hard on the body as you get older. Danny's 34. Uh, so Laura called him out and uh, Danny was saying that I'll come up, I'll, I'll fight anybody. So he's just confident and the layoff was good for him. And um, shout out for, to him as well for speaking about all the mental health as well. Okay, I'm not mad at that. Okay, okay. But Point Blank would love to know your thoughts. Who do you have winning this one? Let us know in the comment section below. Gary Antoine Russell versus Rancis Bartholomew. Chantel, what are your thoughts on this fight? Who do you have winning? All right. Well, Gary Antoine Russell is the younger brother of Gary Russell Jr. Of course, the Russell family known to have a great boxing pedigree. He's knocked out everyone that he's fought. He's the first one to ever stop Victor Postel, who went the distance with Bud, uh, lost to Taylor and lost to Ramirez as well. So he's a guy that has fought some really good guys. And he's the first one to stop Victor Postel, which I think is really amazing. And uh, Gary Antoine Russell is the real deal, man. He's got power. He's got a really nice jab. He's a southpaw, which I think will look good against Rances, of course. Uh, he has these really nice straight lefts that he likes to throw. I think his left is one of his best punches that he has. He's a really good body puncher, and I think he's going to be able to land a lot of shots. When you look at Bartholomew, uh, he's a boxer out of Cuba, right? I love Cuban boxers. I don't know what it is. It's always one of my favorite things. But he beat Mickey Bay, uh, which was one of his big fights. He's a former two-division champ, this guy. He doesn't have the legs that he once did when he was younger, but he is a switch hitter, so he can go southpaw as well. He's really good at controlling the distance. And I do think that he is going to be able to land some big shots on Russell as well. I think people are actually sleep on the fact that this guy is like, when you think about the sweet science, uh, this is the dude that is very skilled, right? He's 36 now, so he has slowed down a bit. But when you look at Gary Antoine Russell, this guy is an absolute stud man. And right now he's being poised to be that dude. Of course, he fights in a higher weight class than his brother, but I mean, I think he's the real deal, man. And when you look at his record and the dudes that he's knocked out and you look at the pedigree and the fact that he's the first one to ever stop Victor Postel, I'm like, is he going to be able to stop Bartholomew? Like, is he going to be able to do it? And to be quite honest with you, I think Bartholomew's experience is going to come into handy there because he's been in some big fights. I mean, this guy is a former two division champ, so mm -hmm. it's hard to say that he's just going to stop him, but I think Gary Antoine Russell is going to win by decision. And I think he's going to cruise through it. Like, I think this one is going to be a lopsided victory where he gets the decision. Is there a chance? I think he gets the knockout. I, I do think there's a chance, but I'm just going to roll with the fact that I think Rance is like, he does have the experience. He's a veteran. He's a former champ. And I don't want to take that away from him. So I don't think that he's just going to get knocked out cold, but Gary Anton Russell does have the power to do that. Like this guy is really, really good. If you haven't seen him fight, this is a great undercard on the Danny Garcia fight, of course. But uh, yeah, I'm going to roll with Gary Anton Russell to win by decision. What about you, Akeem? What, your, what are your thoughts on this bout? Yeah, I mean, Gary Anton Russell, right? He's the 2016 Olympian. And he, he's, he, I see a lot of boxers in him, right? He is strong. He's fast. He's precise. He's accurate. He's got good power. 15, 15 wins, 15 by way of knockout. He's the real deal. The, 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 the thing with him, Chantel, that, that I don't question his physical attributes or any of that, but this is going to be his first fight without his dad in the corner. Right. Cause his dad passed away. And I know, I know his brother, Gary Russell has been kind of a trainer to him 
as well too. So, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see what those cues are like and to just, it may not seem like it makes a big of a difference, right? But when something is new as that, you just don't know how it's going to respond. It's tough enough already losing someone, especially your father, but your trainer as well too, in a sport where that's such a pinnacle part. I'm wondering how that will work for him. I'm sure he's going to be fine. He's got a great team around him as well too, but from a mental standpoint, right? But when he goes on the offense, man, this guy has a, a, a repertoire, like some of the best that's out there, right? So that is going to be an interesting mix. You talked about uh, Bartholomew. He's no slouch of a fighter. I know a lot of people probably haven't heard him before, right? But he's a good boxer. Uh, he is one of those guys where he's got an awkward, unique style, right? He's got a long reach. His movement is very well sound. He's got good footwork. And I think that is going to frustrate Antoine Russell uh, at the beginning of it. I think it's going to take him some while to be able to close that distance because Bartholomew is not going to stand around and let you just come at him and swing on him. I think the movement is going to frustrate him. The footwork is going to frustrate him. And he's going to move and hit you out of the movements that he's make. He's a good puncher. He's a precise puncher. He's very accurate. And I could see him in the early parts of this fight. I could see him winning the first couple of rounds, right? As Gary's trying to close the gap, I could see Bartholomew winning the first couple of rounds. But I also think going into the middle rounds, even if Gary doesn't land clean, flush shots, if he just touches them in different areas, the arm, the shoulder, whatever he is able to hit, I think that will start to slow Bartholomew down as well, too. I think this fight could end in a body shot in the seventh or tenth round. So I think uh, Gary Russell is going to finish this fight in the seventh, tenth round by a body shot or an overhand right. But Bartholomew is no slouch. I mean, you talked about the fight against Mickey Bay. If, if anybody goes back and watch that fight, man, he, 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 he cleaned up Mickey Bay pretty good. Right. So I'm looking forward to seeing this one. I do think this is going to be Gary Russell's toughest task yet because of the experience, because of the, I mean, the Cuban style boxing is, you know, how good they are. Right. So I think this is going to be his toughest task yet because he's going to have to lean on his patience a lot more and not just the power and the explosiveness and the dynamics of this talent. But I think he's going to have to set up things much better than he has before in previous fights. But Point Blank would love to know your thoughts. Who do you have winning this fight? How do you have it going? Let us know in the comment section below. UFC 277, Juliana Pena versus Amanda Nunez to the rematch. Until how do you see this one going? All right. Well, this is the rematch that I think everyone's kind of been waiting to see, right? Because Pena upset Nunez in the first one, and it had to be one of the biggest upsets in UFC history, because I don't think a lot of people had Pena winning that one. Amanda didn't even look prepared. She looked okay in the first round. But the one thing that I saw was Juliana Pena break her down. Like she completely broke down one of the greatest fighters in UFC history. I'm not talking about men and women. I'm not going to split it up. She is one of the greatest fighters in UFC history. So I think coming into this one, Pena has all the confidence. And the big question is, is Nunez going to be making the adjustments in this fight? Because I think she's coming into this one with a chip on her shoulder because that was an embarrassing performance from a champ. The performance that she put on, I'm sure that's still in her mind. Now, I also remember that she had COVID a few months before that fight. Mm -hmm. So maybe she wasn't fully recovered 
because it looked like her stamina was off as well in that fight for some strange reason. And I don't know if that's because Pena was just doing work on Nunez and she was, but it just didn't look like the same conditioning that she had. And then you look at like their abilities, right? We know that Amanda Nunez is very technical and Juliana Pena, she is a really good wrestler. She's a good grappler, but so is Amanda Nunez. But I give the edge a little bit to Amanda Nunez. And the thing about it is when you see a champ go down, you want to see what they do next. And mm. that's exactly what I want to see from Amanda Nunez. We know how great she is. Do I think she gets her revenge? Yes, I do. And then I think the UFC is going to make a third match for this. Like there's just so much going on for this. You know what I mean? So I think Amanda Nunez, because she, I'm not sleeping on Juliana Pena. Like she killed that last fight. She looked amazing in it. But I just do think that I'm going to take the experience of Amanda Nunez, the fact that she didn't have a good performance against Pena, the way Pena broke her down. And it just didn't look like the Amanda Nunez that we were used to seeing. So I'm going to take Amanda Nunez to get her revenge. And I think she's going to do it in style. Mm -hmm. I think she's going to get the knockout or submission. What about you, Akeem? What's your thoughts on this bout? Yeah, you know, the first round, the first round, that was the Amanda Nunes that we knew, right? She controlled that round. She controlled the time. She got him up. She got her on the ground and she was having her way, right? But what I will give Juliana credit for in that first round was she didn't make it easier for Amanda to get into the angles that she wanted to. And she fought her way to making that round tough for her, right? Yeah, she didn't win that round. Right. But you can but you can't submit and let Amanda Nunez get the angles that she wants and get into positions and then choke you out. I think that Juliana actually got confidence from that first round because she was able to I mean she was on the mat for like three minutes. Right. So I think she gained confidence from that round and she came into the second round and that's when everything changed. That's when she started to put the pressure forward. And I think Amanda Nunez forgot that how much success she had in the first round. And you did not have to fight a different fight. You didn't stick to your game plan. And Juliana was able to get Amanda Nunes out of her game plan. And then it was just a wrap from there. I don't think that Amanda Nunes expected Juliana to be able to stand there right in the pocket with her and go shot for shot her for her. And I think that was the best thing that she did was to stand there and to say, I know how good you are. I know what you've done to other, other people, but I'm not like these other people. Right. And the fact that she stood up and she did not back down, I don't think Amanda Nunes expected that. And every time Amanda was swinging for a shot, she would reach from so far back and how much energy and power she put into each swing was just tiring because she was getting countered every time that she was missing, right? So in the second round, I just thought that she abandoned her game plan. She looked gassed because of what she was doing. And Juliana was able to capitalize off that. She came in great shape. She was confident. She believed that she could win. She even said, I'm going to tire this girl out. And that's exactly what she did. But the question is, can she do it again? And not that I am saying she can't win this fight by no means. But you would have to think that Amanda Nunes is going to come back and do something different because of what happened the first time. When you, I don't think, I don't think Amanda lost the fight since 2015. And then for her to come in in the fashion how she lost it, I don't, that's not a good taste. And so I think she is going to come back with the force and a relentlessness, and she is going to stick to her game plan. So I have Amanda Nunes winning this fight. 
And you would have to think that it's going to end by way of knockout. I don't see any of these two going to decision. So knockout or submission, but I'm going with Amanda Nunes uh, to win this fight. But I do think the longer the fight goes, you would kind of have to think it favors Juliana. But I have Amanda Nunes winning this fight. Let us know in the comments section below. Who do you have winning this fight? Let us know what you think of the rematch. Is it going to live up to the hype? Definitely let us know in the comments section below. Before we close out the show, Chantel, we have to get into our last segment, the encouragement segment of the week, the word of the week, the last part, structure. Structuring can mean a lot of different things. It can mean so many different ways. It can go in so many different ways. You think about the structure of a building. It's the foundation. It holds everything together. The structure of the blueprint of a plan, it holds everything together. What, when it comes to structure, what comes to mind? What does it make you think? I think it definitely makes me think about the foundation or even just having a routine. That's what structure is to me, because when you have a routine, you have structure in your life. You do things at a certain time and you kind of have a set schedule. And that's something that I've been working on because do I have the best structure? I think I have an okay structure, but I think it can always get better. And I think once you have a structure, you're more open to being able to do things for yourself. But at the same time, you're able to get work done and it ends up working well for yourself personally and also for your career. And I think structure is one of those things where you try to find balance. Mm -hmm. And all of those things are definitely connected. But I think if you have a good structure and you kind of set a good routine out for yourself, I think you're going to be just fine. Also, structure can also mean your home base. Like what, what's your home base like? Is the structure there a healthy environment? And that's what also structure kind of, when you said that, I thought about that as well, because I think a lot in times we go out in the world, we go to work, we go to meetings and we do all these things. And when we ask someone, you know, how they are, we are asking them, but sometimes are we really wanting them to tell us how they are? Um, And that's usually what I get from, you know, when I ask someone how they are, I'm really asking you, how are you? Um, And, you know, sometimes someone's structure at home might not be as good as yours. So I think it's also always good to check in with people and see how they're doing because their structure might not have the same foundation that you have. What about you, Akeem? What are your thoughts on the word structure? Yeah, it just makes me think of a foundation and the makeup of a person, the makeup of an environment and the makeup of what helps you get through the day, the makeup of what brings you peace and everything that you do, right? So that's what foundation makes me think of because I remember uh, a couple of years back, there was this really bad um, storm in Calgary and it like (laughs) destroyed like a bunch of these trees, right? Like it destroyed a whole bunch of houses. It was hailing. It broke mirrors on on some of my neighbors, like houses. Like it was, it was crazy. It was, it was bad. There was a big flood um on one of the streets yeah it was it was probably the the worst storm that i've seen in calgary in quite some time and i remember i was walking around the neighborhood and like this tree was like bent like the tree was like slumped over like the tree took a beating but the tree was still standing right and it was still standing because of the structure of the roots and how it was made up so i think when you when i think of structure i think about the base the foundation of what do you stand on in the midst of adversity? What do you stand on in the midst of joy? What do you stand on in the midst of what brings you fulfillment in some capacities from a workflow of things? What is your base? How do you study for something, right? It just makes me think of the sturdy foundation that helps keeps things together. 
And whenever you can keep something together, then you can grow it and you can do other things with it. But to me, structure is about the solid base that holds everything together. So that's what I think about structure when it comes to mine. Point Blank would love to know what are your thoughts on the structure? Do you have a story like how I shared my story? Let us know in the comment section below. Before we leave, big thank you to everyone that continues to tune into the show each week. It is greatly appreciated and we don't take anything for granted. We don't take your ears nor your eyes for granted. So with that being said, I am Akeem Haynes. I'm Chantel Chance. And this is Point Blank. And we'll see you next time.